Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everybody welcome to go home bible you're drunk the podcast where we talk about how evangelicals use the bible for very very strange things i'm tori i was raised fundamentalist and i was homeschooled k through 12 i guess you could say i was supposed to i was like born to be a soldier in the culture wars and i'm really truly over all of that so great i also have a co-host my name is justin i was a a faithful uh, templar if you will <laughs> in the culture war did my did my time and served the cause and uh, realized that was going about it the wrong way and so i'm gonna not do that and i'm gonna you know try to live my life uh, in a different way so i abandoned the Take America back for God lifestyle. <laughs> As if God ever had it to begin with. Question he's mark. Not, he's, he's not doing a great job. If no, he did. no, not at all. The job he's doing is quite poor. Yes, I would agree. So anyway, um, so that's been my that's been my story, such as it is. And so now we live in this place of having given a lot of time and energy to this culture and now we make a podcast about it and and there's some people that uh deconstruction is a is a big tent i think is you know people that have deconstructed their faith maybe they're asking questions maybe you listening you're either a full-blown atheist trademark mm-hmm. um <laughs> truly or maybe you're like hmm i was listening to joel olstein's podcast and this one was recommended to me Uh, (laughs) that'd be sweet so maybe i'll give it a shot uh and if that's you uh welcome so we kind of everyone on all of the spectrum we welcome everyone but there there are some folks that i that i think style themselves as experts in the deconstruction space that i feel like don't have any business being here yeah yeah carpetbaggers if you will yes yes (laughs) uh People that probably should stop making money in this space for sure. Uh, <laughs> and one of those is, I'll just say their name, uh, Rachel sure. Joy Welcher. She has, I'm sure her heart's in the right place. She wrote a book uh, called Talking Back to Purity Culture, which is you know about deconstructing purity culture. Spoiler, spoiler alert, if you've read the book, it really doesn't deconstruct 
purity culture at all. Sort like, of just it's re- more of, it's an examination. Yeah. It's a very it's... thorough, like, okay, let's mm-hmm. clean out a couple of the closets, sweep some shit up. Yeah. It's a rebranding, if you will. Yeah, there we go. The recipe has not changed, but the packaging is nicer. Um, <laughs> so that that's probably the nicest thing I can say about it. But she had a, a tweet this week that essentially I don't want to misquote her. So I will pull up the actual tweet. It says, do not deconstruct without the Bible in hand or apart from the local church. And she got a little bit of pushback. I mean, we deconstruct here with the Bible in hand, just so you know. True. That's and true. We're, we're basically starting a church. Every so, day. So this we don't do right. any of this shit without the Bible. No. And, it, you know, and she followed up with a couple further explanations, but it it felt very much to me like an exercise in missing the point. Most of us that have deconstructed, at least those of us, those of us that started in faith, like we were the serious ones. Yeah. We knew more about the Bible than our pastors did in a lot of ways. And we tried to deconstruct with the local church. And how, how did that turn out for you, Tori? Oh boy. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of rough. I mean, for me trying to like deconstruct well in church. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Part of the problem too, was I was like deconstructing and, and taking like some, some science classes at the local community college at the same time. (laughs) So that really was not, not going well at all. If you want to deconstruct rather, if you want to speed up your deconstruction, I'll say that. Go yeah. take go take like a biology class at a community college. It'll it'll do a lot of that work for you. And yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't like an overnight thing. Like I know that it is has been for some people where they're just like, oh, this is all bullshit. Like I'm out. For me, it was a lot more gradual of going. Okay, I think, I think that there are a couple. I think Paul was wrong about something mm-hmm. like that was that was really a jumping off point for me so i was like no actually this is incorrect like you don't have to honor your abusers yeah. just because they're biologically related to you like that's not something that you have to do and so that was that was definitely like kind of a breaking point was going like oh i don't agree with everything in the bible right because you and i were raised in spaces where like the bible is the inspired word of god right verbatim word for word like sat down and like took notes on a yellow pad there were debates of like okay did god take over their brains or did they co-create it with god but like you know god was thoroughly involved in the process and anything that wasn't god ordained got filtered out you know like the gospel of thomas you know like (sighs) nice try thomas but not quite you didn't make it oh my (laughs) why did they have to include revelation that's the that's my only question it's like why is that book in there i love that martin luther was like james i want to remove because it defeats the purpose of my entire theology and (laughs) revelation i want to remove because it's oh my god i won't say a lot of good things about martin luther but occasionally i'm like every once in a while i appreciate those little or whatever yeah yeah so yeah i my timeline was a little bit odd but 
I definitely, I don't think it took a super long time, but I tried, I tried to stay in church, right? I tried mm-hmm. to like keep reading the Bible. I like bounced around to like different churches after like the church that I was in like imploded. And, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like I gave it a really solid effort to stay involved, frankly, mm-hmm. like a couple of years longer than I should have to be honest. So I don't necessarily feel like I deconstructed without church or the Bible. That's just not the case. I deconstructed like waist deep in the Bible and church like ministry shit. Yeah. Like I was very much involved in the church. I was out. I was teaching at the church. Right. I was a pastor and trying. And I think being a pastor in some ways I was, I think it stunted my deconstruction in some ways or stalled it in a lot of ways because I had to I had also to, make a living. I also had to make a living. So it's like, I, I have all these questions like, let's just keep pushing them back. And it was funny. I, yeah, it was interesting. The Bible, and maybe this is the way it is for a lot of people. The Bible started to erode at the ends in some ways, hmm. like revelation. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the creation story, probably not literal right you know and i even got to the point where i was like okay everything up until abraham is metaphor abraham's like it's probably a real person probably a real person you know and then it's like it starts eroding a little bit back you know and like well you know maybe maybe the gospels weren't all written by paul you know and it's just kind of like not gospels with the letters Oh, the epistles, all the epistles, you know, and that's that's, you know, it it just kind of eroded at the ends um, until finally, you know, this is years after I left the church. I remember I was praying one time and I I asked Jesus, like, you're just a guy, aren't you? And I heard (laughs) back. Yes. (laughs) This is is so great. I'm I'm really I I didn't know this part of your testimony (laughs) or your your reverse testimony. Yeah, my reverse testimony. I was like, you're just a guy, aren't you? And it was a resounding yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no way to prove that you're not. Yeah. Like, I mean, whatever the thing in my head was, was tired of playing the role of Jesus, apparently. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. Uh, you just <laughs> didn't move on. And but all that was done in the church, you know, yeah. bit, and all that was done. And I got kicked out of the church because my views of Paul, my, my view of Paul's views of human sexuality was mm. like, no, this guy's bullshit, you know? And yeah. And the thing is also like, he doesn't even pretend like he's speaking for God. He doesn't pretend that he's being objective. He's like, this is my own shit. <laughs> like at least yes. he kind of owns it, you know, instead of being like the Lord said, yeah, don't get Se- married several times. Paul is like, this is just me. Like I, Paul, See how I, Paul, write to you in my own hand. Like, he's like, not know, writing. I don't know if Lord. you know this, guys, but like, I am now the top apostle. I gave myself that position, just sort of promoted myself all the way to the top. So that means that I can also just write whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've talked about it before, but how batshit crazy is Paul? Like, you never met yeah. Jesus. You like. Yeah thought you saw him on the road once yeah you had a hallucination and you're like then all of a sudden confronting peter like 
who knew Jesus. <laughs> Say, no, you're doing yeah. it wrong. You heard him wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, dude was brazen. Just straight up. Like, nope, I'm the one. I'm like, I'm God's BFF now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you get out of here. You know, what's really funny, too, about that is that I, I'm fascinated by, like, the way that that conflict was handled. This is not at all what we're talking about, but I no. feel like it kind of relates, you yeah. know, that it's like, like, we were not taught conflict resolution in church, right? There's a mm-hmm. power dynamic and, like, whoever is at the top in whatever situation it is, like, it's their call. Doesn't matter. And so I'm really, I'm really fascinated by the way that they were just like, okay, if like, I guess just you, you go over there and like, leave us alone and we will stay here and just chill out, man. Like take a breather, get on a boat. Yeah, what kind of damage can he do in Turkey? <laughs> we don't care about those fuckers. Yeah. Or Asia minor, whatever. There is like, yeah, 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 totally. I was like, oh. So Yeah. I think uh, I'm very entertained by this, and and I think I guess I'm doing the, I guess I'm doing this again. Um, <laughs> but like, not having any framework for like a consent or conflict resolution is a really really good mm-hmm. reason to go to therapy. Yeah, and it it's interesting. You know, Rachel Joy Welcher, and she had a essentially a a response tweet, and some some of her points were good. Like she realized like. People define deconstruction differently and that it's a very emotional topic. Like, like that's fine. Huh. But like, it, it's, it was definitely one of those like tweet threads that like started out like, oh, maybe you do get it. And then like by the mm-hmm. end, she's like, gather your strength and courage to try a new church this Sunday. Like, oh, my God. Like, like that's it, it's like that is your only prescription. I was is... I was literally just going to say that it's like every time you go back to the doctor, they're like, well, just take this drug. And it's the exact same drug you've been taking that is not working. Yeah. And you want to try something else. And I was like, yeah. nope, this is the one. I'm like, I'll give you a different brand. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the generic right? <laughs> of the exact same thing. Of the exact same thing. Like, this like isn't working. identical. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And so, yeah, just go to church. And you know, if you just go to church and read your Bible again. Like we did that, like, and it, it didn't work. Right. I mean, it's like, how long do you have to do that? Right. Like what's, what's the requirement of like, I put in this much time trying to deconstruct with my Bible, with my local church. When do I get, when do I get to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people do this with the church. They do it with friendships. They do it with marriages too. Like, in mm-hmm. like, like when have I put in enough time Right. and tried enough to be able to call it to be able to just be like yeah this doesn't work anymore and it's different for everybody yeah and for sure. and yeah i mean you could give up one inch away from the breakthrough or the I breakthrough i feel like i've done that i feel never... like i've done that too yeah you know yeah i mean yeah i've done that but it's also one of those things you you don't you will never know and you know that it's it's called a logical fallacy for a reason it's you know sunk cost like oh we just keep putting money into this eventually it'll turn around we've put in so much you know like there was somebody that did like a uh like a illustration of the sunk cost fallacy it's like when you pay money for a movie and you realize 30 minutes in it's garbage like Mm -hmm. you're actually better off leaving Right. Then wasting your time to like try to salvage that $20 or whatever you spent on a ticket. Like, except with the church, it's never over. The movie's not just two hours long. It's the rest <laughs> of your life. 
yeah. And it just, I feel like it's really, I feel like it's especially frustrating when, like you said, people are trying to, I, I don't know, like make a living in the deconstruction space without mm-hmm. ever actually having deconstructed themselves. Like you and I had plenty of crises dealing with our own like spirituality and faith and belief in God before we left. Right. Yep. So, and and I'm not saying that necessarily that deconstruction means leaving the church. It's just, it just happens that like you and I left the church, Yeah, you know, and I like, I, I know and respect and work with people who haven't left probably, probably won't leave. And I, you know, there's just, when somebody is in that space, like trying to, trying to sell you something that they haven't experienced themselves, like it's really, that's really frustrating, I guess. Yeah. And that's where I go. Like what, what is, what's the angle here? Like why, like, like obviously, yeah, we do define this differently. So why are you making these blanket prescriptions that if you just do this, it'll make it better. Like, I don't even know that I like the term deconstruction as much anymore, simply because it is something that everybody defines differently, but it, it is a very emotional, I think it's a very personal thing too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I can go back to the church. I just don't think I can. I think it's just, it would be intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, if you will, dishonest for me to just go back and be like, yep, I believe it all again. Yeah, Um, totally. I, you know, and, and so even if I did do that, I'd just be lying, you know? Well, I mean, you'd be, you'd be acting, which is a lot of what we were doing when we were there the first time. So like, why would you want to go back to that? Yeah. Why would I, yeah. Why would you want me to go back to that? Like what, what is, what is in it for you to say like, oh, I got 20 ex-evangelicals to go back to church. I mean, like, what do you get out of that? You know, and that, I think that'd be my question for people like, you know, Rachel Joy Welcher or whatever. And, and, and again, I'm, Sure, she's lovely. I'm not trying to question her humanity. It's just if you're going to jump in this space and pretend to be an expert. I am going to call you on it. When it's like, what mm-hmm. is, what is it that you get out of this? Like, right, right. You're selling me a product, church, your book, whatever. You know, because the next tweet she was mentioned and she wrote a book, so it's like it felt very SoundCloudy oh, to me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. Like, oh, okay, cool. I did good I, shit. I had a viral tweet. Oh, by the way, my credentials are I wrote a book. Like, and and then it, like, did you? Did you? I mean, she did write a book. That's objectively true. But like, did you talk back to purity culture? Because if you talk back to purity culture and you get another book deal. You probably didn't talk back to purity culture because <laughs> I talked back to purity culture and they fired me. <laughs> so, yeah, boo. I know, I know. It's and it's like what's really what's really fascinating to me is it's like yeah, there is sort of like this point of like, am I just gonna like triple down? And I think I've seen a lot of people who were like full-blown like deconstruction who are just like 100% back in now I kind of don't want to name names because it it just whatever it it doesn't matter and I'm sure everybody is thinking of a different person that this is true for so like (laughs) let's just go with that yeah 
but when when you're when you're like in this space and like and then you decide to like go back to where you started essentially functionally going back to where you started and then telling everybody who has also found themselves in this particular space like oh the solution is to just keep doing what you've been doing this entire time right to doubt your doubts mm-hmm. to, like just power through and go to church anyway question your questions you know and and the entire the entire construct right is is like it plays it plays right into like white supremacy in that sense right because you're like now you're disembodied you're not listening to your body you cut yourself off from your own humanity and everybody else's and i think that there's a re- you know i think there there are reasons that like a, a lot of evangelical churches are like really attractive to abusers right because mm-hmm. it's like i just have to say like well I, you know, yeah, I did a bad thing. I repent. Can't hold me accountable. Yeah, that's the get out of accountability free card. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, like it literally is. And it's deconstruction is I've written about this before. It's a medium article, guys. It's not for free or it's not it's not paid or anything. You know, I'm not gonna I'm just I'm mentioning this. <laughs> it's paywalled. I, it's paid it's Can't this read is it. not paywalled. But I talk about like different phases of deconstruction. I do feel like it's fun to deconstruct up to a certain point. Like, it is kind of fun to be like, kind of be scandalous, kind of be like the person questioning or whatever in the back of the auditorium, you and your bearded Theobros, like, ooh, we smoke and we drink beer, you know, <laughs> but, and, and that's, that can be get a lot of fun within evangelical spaces. You can even maybe even get a little street cred, like, ooh, they're questioning, you know, like, what's going to happen? Truly. Um, but you do reach, I think, in talking with, dozens if not hundreds of people mm-hmm. for a lot of folks you do reach kind of a point of no return and that's when it gets scary like yeah oh yeah if i cross this line there may be consequences and, th- and that's different for each church it's different for each person sometimes but i think that that's when it gets very interesting and i think maybe those people that double down they reach that point and they're like mm, nope I'm not going to go beyond that. Right. So I have to like renege on the whole thing. Right. And I need to, now I need to like, now I'm going to be a five point Calvinist. Now I'm going to go so hard in the other direction. So you're just having another reaction yeah. is what you're saying. Exactly. Like that's... you're just reacting to a situation instead of thinking it through. And you know, it's like sometimes doing the hard thing. Yeah. That can be really scary. Especially again for people like us, where we were we were taught that like what we wanted didn't matter, right? That we weren't supposed to listen to what we thought or desired or what felt like compelled towards. You know, it's like everything has to be like under Jesus. And that's like as far as that can go. And it kind of it ends up functioning like this this wall, right? And they're like you're so you're so free when you're like locked in the pen like okay there's some there's some i understand that like that works for some people right like that can be that can be valid when Mm -hmm. you when you are fully constrained in a space Uh, you know if you don't have anything else i can understand how like for a lot of people your nervous system is like okay this this at least feels safe right so it's not not trying to like shit on anybody who is deconstructing or who ends up saying right i have people i 
love who have like gotten to that point and gone back, you know, and I still like am holding out hope for them. But, you know, that's that, you know, I know based on like my own experience talking to a lot of other people, that's not something that you can rush. That's not a process you can rush with somebody. And I, I hit that wall personally many times and I walked away. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't, I had the invitation to deconstruct and leave many times. And again, it's not, this isn't even to say everyone that stays is denying some essential part of their humanity. I just think that is a common experience for a lot of people. I also think it's interesting that it's, it's super easy to be the rebellious kid at a Christian college. (laughs) It's much harder at a state school. If that makes sense. Like, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Like I, I have a friend that went to a very conservative Christian college and was like, yeah, was the guy in the back was the guy like, like, uh, like during prayer, he would like, there was like this pole that you could like bang your head against, like not hard, but it was like echo <laughs> right. through the auditorium, you know? And then he, I don't know if I can't remember if he got kicked out or if he left, I think he just left. And then he went to a state school and was like, all my antics were just like, nobody cares no one gives a shit like you don't get the attention for being the bad kid when the worst thing you've done is drink a beer like, uh-huh so that's a wake up too so it it or i think leaving deconstructing in a serious way not in a like hmm let's just repackage the same shit i think it requires a lot of people and i i can respect that not everybody has the bandwidth or the extra calories floating around to do it totally it's because especially me being a white man i'm not just deconstructing my faith like i'm also deconstructing the inherent racism that comes with and patriarchy that comes from my position in society mm-hmm. and what that even means like and and asking myself the question what am i now and yeah. you know that's that's not easy to do and that's why you get all these people that are like super into being a white man <laughs> uh, i'll just say oh, super they're, fans they're so, they're so into it that like they will completely lose their minds over a flute over a black mermaid <laughs> you know proof i'm really secure me calling and calling every woman that i find on twitter a bitch yeah this is just like i just want you to know that i'm secure in my masculinity yeah i'm just making like there was this tiktok that was so great that was like like it was some dude saying like huh, you, you're such snowflakes if you're just offended by what i say and then like they turned around and they're like what it's a black merman <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you have to say you're secure in your masculinity. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. If you need Jordan Peterson to tell you you're masculine. Your nope. masculinity is valid. <laughs> it's already valid. Like it is. It's already you, valid. You don't need to like you don't need to be a raging misogynist on the internet in order to prove. <laughs> yeah, like and who your masculinity. Like, I this was another wake up deconstruction moment. Like if you imagine like the masculine police that all white men fear when you realize they're imaginary, Mm. there are no masculine police. No one's going to take your man card. If you want to wear a dress, go for it. Like it, if you don't great, like no one, no one is going to take your manhood from you. 
Unless you let them. Unless you unless you let them or you want them to in a consensual way. <laughs> like, uh, uh-huh. Very yeah. few people care, is all I'm saying. So any other thoughts on this policing, deconstruction, manhood thing? Mm. Womanhood? You know, because no, we could talk about the know. transformed woman or whatever she is. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe another time, man. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, I think that's, that's actually really funny that you said that. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like working on a book and I'm just like, whiteness is just like this self-policing entity. Right. Yeah. And, and, and evangelicalism falls under that. Right. It's like you said, it's like, you're scared of a thing that doesn't exist. Nobody's taking your man card from you. And I think, you know, I think that's important to remember regardless of where you decide to end up after doing some deconstructing or soul searching or whatever that looks like for you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for some worship of our favorite God. Yes. At the throne of mammon, if you will. Uh-huh. So we're going to do a little mammon worship and then uh, we'll get back and we'll celebrate some of our new patrons. And then Go we're going to talk about, plate. yeah, we're going to pass the plate. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we're going to talk about, Christian museums, because Air why quotes. the hell not? <laughs> First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for worshiping Mammon with us briefly. Really appreciate that. Hopefully, you bought Alexis. <laughs> the thing every person needs. Yes. <laughs> And you drove it to McDonald's. You know what? And you paid for it with your American Express. Like, yeah. whatever. It's all, it's fine. Why are, why are, why are they not directly sponsoring us? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so we have some patrons to give a, a life versus out to. For the, if you don't know, if it's your first hey. time here, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash go home Bible. You can join at as little as a dollar a week. That gets you access to our Discord. If you pledge above that at our youth pastor tier, you get a life verse. So we will give you a verse that is yours for, well, it's for the rest of your life. It's from the Lord directly. If you believe life extends beyond that, then it's yours for eternity. So it's kind of a pick and choose your own adventure thing. So we have three new youth pastors this week. So thank you very much. So this is going to be, this first one going to be for Caitlin. I wanted to do like a radio show thing like Caitlin from Omaha, Nebraska, but I don't actually know where you're from. But oh I just, God, I, I was going to be like, I don't, don't, yeah, it's not people. actually where she's from. Um, <laughs> I just, it's like, that's what I just got in that. Like, I was like, oh, where is he? No, that's not where she's from. So, Caitlin, this is your life verse forever and forever. Amen. Okay, here we go. Uh, um, Jeremiah. So, you know, it's going to be a tearjerker. 44, verse 10. To this day, they have not humbled themselves or shown reverence, nor have they followed my law and the decrees I set before you and your ancestors. It's kind of a badass life verse, honestly. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I can see this as a tattoo. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's true. So Jeremiah 4410. That one's for you, Caitlin. Uh, (laughs) We also have another youth pastor, Rachel. Tori, did you did you find your Bible? I did. Did you want to give Rachel their life verse? Yes, I do. But I mean, I'm just I'm just I'm just a vessel. I'm just being used by by the Holy Spirit to like figure out what verse I'm supposed to be giving. Oh, goodness. Okay. So Genesis 7 verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came upon the earth. <laughs> that is that is an That's important amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh gosh Factual. at some point we need to do like a at some point we, yeah it's very it's just very fact-based at some point we need to do like a like an on like a zoom hang or something and like do some sort of a raffle and like let our listeners like give us life verses oh that'd be wonderful right it'd be we so do need to funny make this happen I I I, I enjoy giving them. I can't imagine what it is like to receive one. I know. So. Oh man, Genesis uh, seven six. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh man. So the last uh, youth pastor we have is Bree, and so we are going to give them their life first. As I close my eyes, move through the Holy Writ. Okay, here we go. Bree, this is your life verse. It is 1 Samuel 14, verse 5. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. That could be the Bible or Lord of the Rings. (laughs) True. (laughs) I love that. Okay, excellent. Cliffs. Cliffs are cool. Two cliffs stood looking at each other. Love it. Imagine this. Who would have thought? Not me. Those two cliffs hanging out. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It means a lot. You yeah. supporting our little our little online internet cult church thing. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to deconstruct with the Bible in hand as a part of a local church, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Oh my God, nearly. That was definitely an almost like spitswater.gif situation. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yes, absolutely. If you if you want to, we do have the Bible. It mm. is here. Yeah. If you just need to be able to say that like you're a part of a church, I yeah. think you just get to declare yourself a church, sort of like the I declare bankruptcy situation. Yeah. <laughs> you just get to say it and it's true. So where two or more are gathered. <laughs> like so good. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna join our little our little church that doesn't actually ask a terribly huge amount from anyone. No, pretty not low. Asking, not asking for ten percent of your income. That will never happen. I guarantee no. it. Yeah. You can go to patreon.com slash go home bible and sign up. Whatever feels like a good amount come hang out with us on discord and other little hangouts that we're going to end up doing. Sounds good. So one place we are not going to hang out. Or we could, or we could hang out there really hard. (laughs) Also true. I just, I just had, I just, sorry, Justin, I'm so sorry. I just had the most 
incredible idea. So go ahead. I will. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to share it with the people once we get to that point. Okay. Well, one place we may or may not hang out is a Christian museum. And that's what we wanted to talk about today. A couple of Christian museums in particular. We talked a little bit about the Christian Museum, I think, in a, this week in evangelicalism, because they were, I don't know, they're building the Tower of Babel or whatever, whatever. Maybe one day <laughs> they'll prove, build. To prove that racism isn't real. That's yeah, why they're building it. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> like all these Bible museum stories take wild turns <laughs> that I did not expect to see coming. And the, and the Garden of Eden is definitely here. Um, yeah, that would that would be like a Renaissance festival only. God, more terrifying. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Christian um, Christians like to be entertained very poorly, mm-hmm. very low quality entertainment within you know evangelicalism, sort of broadly. And I, you know, personally, I think that this goes back to the fact that they're like kind of terrified of everything and they have to like do their own like recreations of things that exist in the world that are never very good because they never spend any time like in the world Mm -hmm. and like they don't let their like they don't let their children look at art (laughs) because bodies exist (laughs) right so it's just like it's just this very kind of uninspired stuff and if you want a really uninspired place to hang out or inspired you know if you're if you're an evangelical maybe maybe you feel maybe you feel the holy spirit when you're in the tower of Babel. yeah yeah and and that's interesting because like when you think of kind of the height of christian art which have been like in the renaissance you know right i was gonna say like wasn't that like italy yeah but it's like like a lot of those artists were in the they didn't have a choice but to create for the church right like but like they're trying to be out in the world to observe the world like like leonardo da vinci was like secretly dissecting corpses to learn how humans moved that i mean you could say that's creepy maybe that is a little creepy there's some problems but you know whatever not going back there so yeah not gonna go there Whereas it's like, well, I kind of imagine that humans have bodies, so maybe I'll paint one <laughs> that evangelicals <laughs> do uh, or seem to do. And yeah, so yeah, it's this weird. And why can't just museums be museums? You know, and that's and why can't why this museum of the Bible that we'll talk about, like this one of the stated reasons for creating it was to have a christian smithsonian like don't we already like first off like i roll this is not going to go anywhere good but also like why why can't we just have the smithsonian because it's 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 uh worldly that was the word that we always got it's worldly yeah we can't we have to be in the world but not of it which is really funny because I feel like they they work. It's like functionally, it's the inverse. It's like we're of the world, but not in it. <laughs> but yeah, like Christians, like evangelicals, I guess I should say like white American evangelicals specifically have this really intense need to like create their own shitty versions of things that exist that aren't even like explicitly anti-Christ. 
anti the church anti like your religious beliefs yeah like you're 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 like mad about disneyland because gay people exist but like your tax dollars are murdering children and like that's a good way for that's a good way for your money to be spent like there's just uh, there's like this huge disconnect on so many different levels that said justin and i decided to do some research Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it is very very chaotic slash creepy out there in the world of christian entertainment and places to hang out can i can i do like can i sidebar this just like really quickly yeah you're fine okay so i am like right now i'm listening listening to the book reagan land and it's really good like holy shit the number of the number of like sources which i'm i'm a nerd so whatever but one thing that was really there there's multiple chapters that talk about like kind of like evangelical culture right like that is that's like jimmy carter was an evangelical evangelicals are why reagan got elected and so they really like dig into that and like one of the one of the things they talk about is like this parallel between like the world has has their stuff and like we have our stuff and so they were talking about you know shit like hey if you need like if you need help in the bedroom you can't go to like some worldly person who's gonna just be talking about you sinning the entire time like you have to go to like tim lahay or whoever yeah and you know so it's like and it's like christian radio and movies and whatever but one of the things that was really interesting to me that i didn't know about and now i want to like do a shit ton of research on and i'd be very curious to know justin if you have ever heard of this or if anybody listening has ever heard of this, but like one thing that got mentioned was Christian nightclubs. (laughs) And I just want to know, like, what was this? Cause I want to go there. (laughs) I, I don't know that I ever went to a Christian nightclub. There was this, I remember there was this place in in Dayton, Ohio, where I grew up. Oh, what was it called? I remember where it's at and everything, but it was like a nightclub, but it was like for teenagers. Like, mm, so they didn't right. serve alcohol, but it was like, which now that I think about it, I'm like, what over 18 year old has the idea of a nightclub for teenagers that's not sketch? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But well, I don't, it wasn't really Christian per se. It was just right. It safe. was alcohol free. It was like a safe place to party, I guess. But yeah, there were definitely, I, I knew of a lot of Christian coffee shops that were like, Mm, and mm -hmm. like some, there was like one or two rock venues I went to. Oh yeah. But I don't know if I went to a nightclub per se ever. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. I'm like, I I just, I was like, I was really confused by this. I want to see if I can find any information on it just because like this would be sort of like a cultural Mm -hmm. artifact that would go right along with (laughs) our christian museum slash places to hang like theme parks yeah theme christian parks if you will slash theme parks well I, you know and I, I anything i've ever heard of like that would have been for kids like for like teenagers and stuff i i don't know mm-hmm. of anything like that would have been for adults like right yeah, totally. that, that feels extra sad to me, like a bunch of guys in pastel polos, like going to 
<laughs> not pick up dates to pick up wives, I guess, at the Christian <laughs> nightclub. <laughs> yes, yes, love it. Yeah, pleated khakis, pastel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if any of you know of like Christian nightclubs happening, especially like in the 1970s and 80s, like please, please DM me. I would love to hear about this. So yeah, Christian museums. Do you want to do you want to do the Creation Museum first or the Museum of the Bible first? Let's let's do let's do the Creation Museum first. Like, oh god, yeah, let's do the Creation Museum first because like Museum of the Bible is is kind of its own thing in a way. Like it purports to be something that like a lot of these other places don't nearly go as hard on right cool all right let's do it yeah so go for it if you want to if you want to hang out somewhere really fucking cool (sighs) then we have we have like the perfect place for you wait a second justin why am i doing this is like this is like walking distance from your house this is not that far from my house a few, within a few hours so like hold on hold on okay so uh yeah this fucking disaster i think probably most of us who were raised with like christian textbooks whatever yada yada we you know got we got exposed way too young to answers in genesis yeah and ken ham and ken ham yeah um so essentially like the creation museum it's located like fun- basically on the border of like kentucky and ohio <laughs> yeah it's like northern and kentucky kind of kind of in the middle like of right on like like yeah it's like not very far and so the idea right i'm sure like a lot of you know this it's basically trying to give people trying to convince people that like a six like a literal six day creation story like from the book of genesis is an idea that can be backed up by science uh this is not true <laughs> so we're all on the same page yeah. Yeah, it's not. So what they are doing basically is kind of like putting this whole thing together where they are talking about like how the earth is very young, you know, 6,000 years old, that like the theory of evolution isn't, isn't real. It's just a theory, you guys. And so essentially, this is like a place that like parents drag their small children. Yes. <laughs> I don't actually, do you know how much tickets cost? Can you just like, can you just like walk in or do you have to actually pay? You do have to have, you do have to pay for tickets. So an adult ticket is $45. Jesus Christ. I really want to know also like, like if they're breaking even at this point, like I really, cause. Oh, and that, that is just the ticket to the creation museum. If you want to get the museum arc combo, it's $85 for an adult. And you can get exactly as Jesus intended. And you can get a three day. I don't know why this is called this, but a three day bouncer pass. What? uh, Which is three days of unlimited visits. You can choose whichever day you want to go to like which one. But like, why do you need three days? Yeah, but it's uh, a hundred bucks for for an adult. Oh, my God. And then uh, kids under 10 are free. I I almost feel okay about that. Um, Yeah. From what I hear. If you're evaluating it just as a thing to go to and look at, it's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, they kind of make a big deal about the, like, this is a, like, state-of-the-art facility, and there's all, they've put together all of these, like, huge exhibits, and, like, they have botanical gardens, which is just a very common thing in creation museums, I'm realizing. <laughs> Something I didn't know. It's gardens, big deal. They have, like, a planetarium, and then, obviously, like, they have you know, they'll have like people come in and like, sometimes you can hang out with like actual, actual animals. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of them are, as I understand it, like there's some animatronics involved. Yeah. (laughs) And, and and they're like, yeah. And they have, they have um, dinosaurs, of course, because dinosaurs were obviously on the ark. With humans, with humans. Yeah. With humans. Yes. And, and not eating meat, by the way. Apparently. Because everyone is vegetarian back then. Yeah, they have velociraptors that I think are eating vegetation at the museum because because they do. Because they do. Before the fall, everyone is a vegetarian. I don't know why this was never preached to us. I mean, it was like they said it. Yeah. But like, why wasn't this aspirational? I yeah. Have questions. I, you know, I did. I, there was one pastor I ran into ever that was trying to become a vegetarian for that reason. Like based on. Yeah. Yeah, because that it was the ideal diet in the Garden like pre, of Eden. Pre, pre the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So like some of this stuff looks really, really cool. Some of it looks fucking terrifying. They have these like mm-hmm. adult size fetus models, <laughs> apparently now. Which is just mm, okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's just like we worship fetuses. It's like fetuses and capital are like they're two they're two things that they just that they just love uh, apparently so there's also a reconstruction of lucy you know the one of the mm. earliest you know but to make fun of it oh my god that you know look at this ape man how could this how could we be descended from this even though that most most scientists don't actually the 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 theory of evolution they are refuting does not exist right nobody is claiming nobody's making this claim so essentially right i'm like i guess i'm like like, i don't need to start over i've already been talking about this but the idea is to like provide some sort of proof slash inspiration slash family fun times for like the first several chapters of the bible right the creation museums are all really obsessed with the flood which is distressing to me as a person but it's also part of it's also part of the narrative, right? Like I was, I was taught like growing up that, you know, the, the Grand Canyon exists because of the flood, right? And there's this one specific layer of silt across the entire planet, every single continent. And that is proof that like the flood happened and um, it's, it's not like asteroids or anything. It's, it's water. Yeah. So that's like I'm not sure. I haven't quite figured out why yet. The flood is like such an important part of of this story, except to say that like, oh, this is what happened to the dinosaurs, or this is like where the fossils came from. I think that they they kind of tie these two stories together when they're not really related, particularly. I mean, other than like their distance from each other in the book. Um, yeah, but it's it, kind of it, essential to like to 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 get to where we are today, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of creationist scientists use the flood as a reason to like everything that happened after the flood is 
happened under conditions as they exist now and all the magical stuff that happened before the flood happened under conditions that exist in this magical time Mm. like because because i've seen i've i can't remember if i saw the diagram on person or if it was a video it's kind of like memories are kind of hard but like you know like the earth encased in a Yeah, yeah, the field of clouds like that was, you know, Mm -hmm. that insulated the earth and it was warmer. So everything was tropical and people lived longer because there was more oxygen in the air, which isn't how that works. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when when you're saying it to a five year old, they believe you. And I was taught so much of this. And, and, you know, and so that was that was what the rainwater came from, which, you know, eroded and destroyed the firmament. And, oh, I was not taught that. Well, wow. but just that like, but like that, that shield of clouds is now gone. So it's almost oh, because, like, because, because the flood like broke it. Yeah. So it's like atmospheric composition was different. Time was different. Gravity was different. You know, like, like you can just kind of go like you can make up bullshit. What is happening? But that's like, you know, people lived longer before the flood. And you'll notice in the Bible, people didn't live as long after the flood, which, which is true. But it's also like, so it becomes this, I think the reason why those things get conflated and why they kind of double down on them is because it, the scientific underpinning, you, it's so easy to break apart that you have to like accept the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really, really good point. I didn't, I didn't actually think about that, but like the flood in a lot of ways is sort of a get out of jail free card, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like, oh, we can answer a huge number of questions by just saying like, Oh, it was the flood. Mm-hmm. That's why that happened. Yeah. The flood is um, why the earth is not like it was in the, we, we can't find the garden of Eden now because the flood. God. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. This is, that's great. I was, I was, I was one of the other things that I was told as a child relating to this specific subject was that the Noah's Ark is literally on Mount Ararat in Turkey mm-hmm. and the Turkish government won't let white people go up there and just take that shit from them because they're racist against Christians. Yeah. They're against the gospel. And so they're protecting it. So they're hiding it. And I'm like, I know. think that they just know what you do when you find people's shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. they've seen this a couple of times. They, they've watched this movie. They know yeah. what's going to happen. That's, if they let yeah. you anywhere near that. When we talk about the museum of the Bible, we'll get plenty of. So <laughs> there was, there was a TikTok. I follow a bunch of different folks on TikTok, And there's this Egyptian guy that did this funny TikTok about like, Egyptians dressing up to go steal the body of Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) They should do it. I support this. I support this. You know, I don't normally support desecrating just any grave. But every once in a while. (laughs) But every once in a while, Uh, an opportunity arises that is just too good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a bunch of Egyptians just like wandering in (laughs) to whatever canterbury or whatever wherever she's buried oh, <laughs> and just like man. we're taking this this is ours now we're taking we found this. it we put a flag up on the way in we if we dug it up it's ours yeah it's ours now <laughs> you weren't using it uh-huh yeah you were just letting it sit here yeah we're actually going to use it for stuff yeah we're going to display like, it and double it into a pyramid <laughs> 
cool. Yes. So yeah. they know they, but also the Turkish government would probably profit a lot of money allowing white evangelicals to climb Mount Ararat and just get lost up there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like this is, this is, I feel a little bit like this with Nepal and like Mount Everest. There's just a little tiny part of me. that's just like, well, they're getting your money either way, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't make it down, doesn't matter. You belong to the mountain now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I guess if I guess if well, here's something that'll work out really well for them is climate change means that they're going to be able to like find this thing with more effectively with like satellite photographs. Yeah, because there will be less less snow, fewer glaciers. I can so, definitely hey. see the Green family, which will feature later, launching a satellite to take pictures of Mount Ararat I... from space. Wealthy people, like 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 ridiculously wealthy people, I'm just not okay with. But like ridiculously wealthy Christians, are just like make my skin crawl. Like imagine the frivolous things that Jeff Bezos spends his money on, but make it religious. <laughs> and it's just you get the Creation Museum is what you get. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it feels like a weird indoctrination station. The people that I I mm-hmm. have. I've known go- have that have gone or have always raved about it because if you I think if you elect to go you're already bought in and it just reaffirms your faith or whatever but there were a few students of mine when I was a youth pastor that kind of had to go and th- mm-hmm. they commented that it seemed really weird that they the tour guides tried to say evolution in every way that you possibly could without saying evolution because they do, mm-hmm. they they have animal species that are like kind of imaginary, kind of transitional species that also they display in the ark. Wait, so, wait, stop! I'm sorry, As, I'm sorry. Yeah, is, but 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 not evolution. But just, not evolution. No, it's like okay. Yeah, okay. it's just like this this dog that's an extinct dog now may have been the like the dog that they brought on board that became all dogs. So this is our. Oh my gosh, are they seriously doing like mitochondrial Eve for dogs? I I guess. <laughs> it's so like, but it's like they'll they'll say oh like, you know, God. gradual change over time brought us all the animal species we have today. You know, like my my they don't even say microevolution, but like they just allude to like genetic diversity over time. Like, so it's like everything but because this is what I was taught as a kid everything but speciation is on the table because God mm-hmm. made everything according to their kind. So like mm-hmm. one dog or one pair of dogs making all the dogs that we have fine. One cat making all the cat species we have from lions and tigers, and bears to your house cat fine. But a cat becoming a feline like mammal that can't mate with other cats and then eventually branching and becoming its own thing no that's not that's not on the table even mm-hmm. though house cats can't interbreed with lions uh, <laughs> like and tigers can not really breed with lions but <laughs> in weird experiments lions uh, are like no we're cutting this shit off nope but so and th- and the the weird thing is like we we have observed science has observed speciation within like 40 years yeah 
So it doesn't even take that long. You know, they're isolated. There are a couple of like islands that got isolated during World War II that were part of like experiments and stuff. And like the the lizards kind of ran free and then they came back and like these are now we can't breed them with any of this is a new species of lizard (laughs) (laughs) that has evolved to adapt on this island. So like it like speciating events have happened in observed science today where one you know species can no no longer so apparently not. So, but, and this brings up, uh, I would actually love to have, we have a, a supporter and he, he's been on the show before, Gnome the Barbarian. He had an excellent Twitter thread, if you can find it, about like how much of a joke the idea of species even is. Mm. Like how humans are just one long continuation of, bi- he said it was so much better. I, I don't have time to pull it up, but just we're one long continuation of biology and rewind the clock several million years and we're just like some lizard sunbathing on a rock just looking for that hot leaf and <laughs> and and so like even like speciating events is just a very modern way to describe yeah life finding a way if I can use a Jurassic <laughs> nice. Park metaphor. So yeah. Yes, this is this is funny. So this place is like is like chaotic in my opinion, I guess, I guess it's actually lawful evil. <laughs> if I were going <laughs> to put it somewhere, that's where I put it. Um, but yeah, so there's like all kinds of like shit that you can do there. You can have your little youth group overnighters there, which just like, oh my God, I cannot imagine. <laughs> Spending Christ. the night anyway. in any museum kind of freaks me out, honestly. How do you make sure that the kids don't like run off and start fucking? <laughs> that's what I want to know. That, anyway, that whatever. would be a way to christen the the mm. ark encounter mm-hmm. truly yeah. yeah okay i think that we yeah speaking of the ark encounter i think we need to <laughs> we need to maybe keep it moving here because there's a lot of shit like distress it you guys it's distressing after we talk about like the ark encounter and 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 museum of the bible is that what it's called i can't yeah. ever i can't ever even keep it straight then we should talk about some of the some of the other smaller more boutique boutique encounters <laughs> creation museum thingies yeah so arc encounter kind of cool they have this really big gay boat i don't know if you've been there at night but it's real gay and yeah these people decided to build like a life life size it's not life size but like to the specs of the bible arc which is great i am like really I'm not cool with the fact that there's like a biracial family like featured on like the front page (laughs) leaving the museum looking all happy. (laughs) Can't deal. Okay. So anyway, if you want your kids to go and like see what it was like to live in a barn where all you did all day every day was shovel shit out the window. Like, really, if you think about the number of animals and the number of people, like, I don't think that's actually possible for you to keep mm-hmm. that many animals alive. Anyway, it's, it's like, it's legitimately impressive, though. Like, it looks really cool. You know, things that didn't happen, I would say. But I think that, like, giving, that's kind of this idea of, like, giving people more of like a hands-on way to sort of visualize experience like understand these things in the bible that are like 
just God committing genocide. Yeah, like this is this is like this is I, gonna. I can't. I, I I don't want this to sound insensitive, but it, it's kind of like building a Holocaust memorial, celebrating the Nazis. Like, I was like, so the good guys here. So I don't know. I don't know like, if you understand how this like, went down. But like yeah yeah the good guy in the story is the one that killed everyone and mm-hmm. here is their memorial like and they made they you know they made some cool highways yeah like <laughs> oh i my gosh. don't yeah yeah I... it's really it's it's really it really is it's like this idea of but i think that comes back to like what we were talking about earlier with like these power dynamics and like whoever is at the top like what they say goes Mm-hmm. And it's good because it's good. It's okay. It's not sinful because they said it like that is, that is like the moral line that exists. Right. And so God said, we're going to flush this shit. Start over starting from scratch. Yeah. And um, everybody's like, cool. Great. Sounds good. Let's do it. And I don't know if this happens at the Ark encounter, but um, I was told this as a kid, which is just a wonderful thing to lay at a child's feet was that there were 2000 years between um, mm-hmm. Adam and the flood. Mm-hmm. And there have been, well, maybe, Two, maybe, uh, maybe it's 4,000 years. I don't know what the number was, 2000, but it was like 2000 years between like the flood and Jesus or something. And then 2000 years till today. So like maybe God's warming up to destroy this place again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I just the it's it's yeah I know I was I was definitely taught that I don't remember if it was if it was the flood precisely but I think it was that it was two thousand years between like Adam and the flood because of like all of those wild ass ages in like the first couple chapters of Genesis of like these people lived for five six seven eight nine hundred years to go like, oh, okay cool that's great you know once again because they had like they had a technologically advanced atmosphere controls back then which is why people lived that long yeah no i was told i was told the exact same thing that it was just like this nice little breakdown really it it doesn't line up with like the dates that other societies use right like like the egyptians just as an example they didn't they didn't come about within like 250 years like the entire yeah. society of egypt just like manifests within like 250 years of of the flood like that that didn't happen yeah and people don't like it's hard for me to wrap my mind around about how like ancient egyptian history is yeah like truly cleopatra is closer to us in history than she was to the pyramids yeah like that's that's some old shit. <laughs> like that didn't just like that culture didn't just like get off the ark and go, let's build some pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. No. And even like, then it's, it's not possible. Like, I think those pyramids would have to have survived the flood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Based on like their ages. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like mm-hmm. there's just not a way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe the ancient aliens were us. So yeah i mean it's it's wild um i will say this is a review of someone from the ark encounter i won't read the whole thing but it starts with this is quite possibly the most dangerous materialistic self-glorifying mess ever built (laughs) and that's saying something and the review goes downhill from there wow okay 
I hope this was someone that was like gifted a ticket by like, you know, their old. No. So no, I, they paid. I, I won't say I won't read the whole review, but okay. she just say we asked where the closest spot would be because they were they were they have this is actually kind of rude and sad, but they one of a member of their party was bound into a wheelchair. So they said, hey, can we park closer so that we can drop them off? And the attendant right, said, the walking is massive. good for you. God gave you feet, didn't he? Ha ha ha. To which this person, to their credit, responded, well, she gave this darling girl a congenital disease where she can't walk. So can we pull up closer? And the person was like mad at them. So like, Oof. oh boy, that's great. So yeah, and then it gets worse from there. So so yeah, if you certainly if you uh, have any accessibility issues, I would not go to the Ark Encounter. I imagine it is not particularly accessible like many churches it it does the bare minimum sadly (laughs) so anyway yeah it's 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 weird that we do this and the museum of the bible is also i think a weird a very weird thing it the museum of the bible is is the christian smithsonian whatever but it's it it is essentially a museum it's in washington dc so it's you know it's trying to bill itself as like legit a a legit museum i think you can just walk in like the other museums in dc i think you don't have to pay if i I recall i think i think it's like a 20 dollar ticket price i did oh interesting okay okay which for a museum in dc dc is do it is not that expensive so i mean it's you know, it was, it was funded by the Green family, which if you don't know the Green family, they're evangelical billionaires. They own Hobby Lobby craft Ugh. stores. They fund all kinds of things. This particular tax write-off put them back, you know, a half billion dollars, you know, $500 million uh, <laughs> to build this thing. Um, and so so what they did is they, they went in like the 2000s, um really into like 2010 all the way into almost 2020 they went on a manuscript and artifact buying spree to populate this museum uh mm-hmm. and with their stated goal of being like we want to you know prove in a lot of ways that the bible is you know the the word of god and we're going to do it we're going to buy up all these manuscripts there was a piece that was written in the Atlantic that talked about like some of the fallout from this because they accidentally with an asterisk, maybe uh, purchased some stolen Iraqi antiquities as well as some stolen Egyptian antiquities. I mean, taking advantage, like the timeline makes it look like they maybe took advantage of like some five finger discounts happening because of the war in syria just like as an example and because of like everything that was going on in iraq Mm -hmm. and it was just like hey there's a lot of chaos so there's like this now this sort of like black market situation for Mm -hmm. antiquities right um which you know on one hand i got like if you gotta feed your family it kind of makes a tiny bit of sense to me that you're like selling shit (laughs) Mm-hmm. Even if it's like selling fake shit and like being like, hey, this is or selling selling real shit that's stolen, which they were they were accused of buying like thousands of stolen items. Yeah. For the museum. And, it, you know, it'd be one thing if it was just 
native Syrians and Iraqis getting rich off this, but there was um, right. a, a curator. He was he's not British. He taught at Oxford. Uh, I think he's from Nebraska, but he was a very I mean, I can say his name, Dirk, Dirk. His name is Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Opnik, I think is how you say his name. Very well-renowned papyrologist, essentially someone that could that could date. They got hooked up with him. He offered them what was billed as a original manuscript or close to original manuscript of the book of Mark, something that was dated to the first century, which if you don't know much about biblical literature or biblical, you know, papyri, there really isn't. I mean, that's the gold standard that no one has achieved yet. Everything is, you know, from two or 300 years after the time of Christ. And none of it is a full, there's rarely any full books. I mean, when we say like a piece of papyri, we're talking about a scrap that happened to survive in like a dung heap. Like it's, they're not. We're not finding full pages of anything. No. And the full pages don't come in until later in the timeline. So he starts essentially floating that there, there exists these first century manuscripts, which long People story short for that shit for like centuries yeah long like story short cent- yeah it, it was a con mm, uh, no mm, you don't say yeah <laughs> hmm. he may be going to prison for it and so essentially what he was doing is he was taking he had access to a collection of documents and was i think more or less well he maintains he's innocent but more or less it was a situation of there's thousands of these and these evangelical these wealthy evangelical idiots are throwing money around. They, I think the figure was, they said was somewhere between four and $8 million, which <laughs> you are, do not keep good records of your purchases. <laughs> if the range is like that's some, the ballpark somewhere, we've spent somewhere between four and $8 million. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So they, to the greens credit, maybe, when it was found out, they did return a lot of the stolen artifacts or artifacts that they were able to verify were stolen. I mean, you, I mean, you can say that's PR. You can say that's generosity, I, whatever it is. I, I, that's right. that is a net good to me uh, yeah. that at least they were able to admit that on like the British Museum. But it's just oh, this it, is ours. I mean, and it, it's it is a wild it's such a wild ass story because it takes so many weird terms like this, this, this biblical papyrus scholar he ends up getting a position at baylor by some weird ass castle in waco texas for you know like a million dollars which people are like excuse me like how are you able to afford this he ends up like having to sell it he sells it to like chip and joanna Gaines from like the like because he ran out of money to yeah. like to be when he got caught, he ran out of money to yeah. continue like doing all of the little updates that he wanted to do because it was over like a million dollars in renovations. And so yeah, yeah he sold it, sold it to those people. So he sold it to the fixer upper people, which I, like how is like of course they're in the story. Of course. Right, of course <laughs> they are. I, I'm sure that the, I'm sure that they're friends with the Greens. I'm sure that that's I... just how this like shook out. Yeah. Would not surprise me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm really fascinated by the fact that this guy like threw his entire fucking career, like someone who was someone who was just like the absolute top of his field, mm-hmm. right, could do anything that he wanted to do. And he chose to 
steal like original manuscripts that he was basically like the key holder for like he he steals them and sells them to the greens to like put in their collection and the greens and their various curators like he even made them sign like agreements for some of them that were like you can't tell anyone that i sold this to you you can't announce that you have this you can't announce that you have it it's gonna stay in my office (laughs) but you can buy it like and they went along with it that is what is so wild to me because I think the oh promise was like, eventually you'll be able to, but you know, for now you can't. And yeah, it just, and there's so many more twists and turns. Like there was a bunch of shady shit that was done with Egyptian burial masks. Again, for those that may not know, like there are some, there was a season of time in ancient Egypt where burial masks were made from discarded papyri. And so for a while it was like, a process used to soak these these masks to kind of break them apart in order to see like what was in there what is the papyri most of it's like receipts it's like not even interesting stuff I can't. Uh, oh my god and again you're so destroying <laughs> you're destroying the burial masks of another culture in order to like find read the receipts for, to read their receipts and hope that maybe if you destroy enough of them you might find something useful which isn't the case and that would then that wasn't a practice of the time of jesus anyway so you wouldn't even find anything about jesus yeah but so yeah. there was this dude that went to baylor as like a demonstration and did this and like pulled out like a scrap of first corinthians or something that he had pocketed and put it in there like it wasn't even like so much fraud, oh, but oh my God. And, you know, so Baylor got involved and it just, it was so much fraud being either willful ignorance passed off as ignorance or just like a, oops, we, we did an oops, mm-hmm. you know, Ugh, and we spent yeah. four to $8 million. I think, I mean, I think some of it was like, they just legitimately weren't paying attention. I think that some of it was like, antiquities is really kind of this there's there's this whole long process to like get anything sort of verified as like an actual artifact that's kind of, that's a little bit mind-boggling like if you're not in that world you're gonna have a hard time like keeping things straight of like okay we need to go from like point a to point z yeah. and like put all of these things in order in order to make sure that like yeah it's not stolen that it's not like just something that someone made in their backyard <laughs> Yeah. like passed off to you as like as like some real like ancient artifact from somewhere i think they just didn't have the expertise to be like doing any of this shit right and they didn't instead of hiring someone they're just like oh yeah we're just gonna like write the checks well they hired the person that was selling them the artifacts that's miss like, that's yeah that, was, that to yeah, me that seems was like a problem. big mistake <laughs> it's like my consultant is selling me all of these items yeah he's verified I mean, their authenticity they seem like, you know, they have a Bible museum, so they're probably rather credulous people. Yeah. <laughs> that that tracks. <laughs> you know, if you're a wealthy billionaire creating a Bible museum, I'm just going to assume that you're dubious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You probably don't ask a lot of questions. Nope. You know, and, and I think that, I mean, obviously their story is what their story is, but my 
I would put down a lot of money that they were breaking the law for Jesus. Mm, that's interesting. In their minds. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I know uh-huh. this is dubious. Cause I mean, some of the, the story is like, they're meeting people in like dirty old apartments in like back alley, London, like, well, not them, but this guy that they hired. Yeah. It, like opening up the briefcase to like, y- you know, like, is this real? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, legit. Yeah, it's totally, totally legit. real. My man. family's had it for like 75 years. They don't really know anything about it. It's fine. It's legit. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you own this? Yep. Can you sell it? Yes. Yep. <laughs> is this stolen? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> where did you get it from oh it's just you know we had it it was just sitting around this has been in my family for 100 years <laughs> cool okay <laughs> you your family had a thousand scraps of ancient paper <laughs> for 100 years nobody yep. just you know it was just that box of receipts that goes from house to house with you yeah. it was just that that's all it was we just didn't look at it for a minute and then, you know <laughs> you, just, you blink and it's a thousand years later I mean, I to credit where credit's due. They were there were probably some enterprising Middle Easterners and and folks that were like, we're going to use these people's racism against them. Like, <laughs> you know, see, yeah, this is, this every is kind Syrian of every Syrian family has a stack of papyri that they pass around. They are you know? so willing to sell you for like sixty five thousand dollars. They will give you that shit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and then the <laughs> dude that was procuring, you know, one of the guys that was p- procuring and vetting it was also like, yeah, wanting them to sell them more money for more money. It's, and then again, saying that you have a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John manuscript from the first century and, and holding up mm-hmm. like, just mm-hmm. to me, like statistic, like the statistical likelihood of that is zero. Like yeah. that's, that's where it got weird to me. It was like, no you no you don't yeah but you know one of their promoters is going around to churches and saying like we have this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that to me seemed that's where they grift becomes a little more personal for me because it's like mm-hmm. I, I i have grandparents i have parents and maybe even myself that would have heard that heard that from a church and been like how affirmed our faith is yeah and how legitimate the bible is that it's survived unbroken from way back then and look at this person who's vetting it they're telling us like like that's where it's like okay i get it you're grifting to make money or have this tax write-off monument to your dick that's the museum of the bible whatever Mm -hmm. like but now you're like hoodwinking normal people that just that that feels like it almost takes on like a little more of a like fuck you like i i'm that's so that's so interesting because yeah like after reading this article i we just have to link to it it's kind of long it's in the atlantic but it's really fucking good but like after reading it because i was like oh these people are absolute just like disgusting malicious evil like colonizer shit yeah right like you're contributing to literal genocide right now and reading reading the article makes it seem like they actually were just dumb (laughs) you know and they hired people that they you know had reason to believe were legit and were just like okay you can do you know do the thing get us our stuff that's how it strikes me now it's it strikes me as like they were not 
they just didn't have enough information to be making any of these decisions. Whereas before I read that, I was like, oh, they were being, they were like, they were making shit up. Like they were intentionally putting shit out there that was not real mm-hmm. and shit that was stolen. And like, they're taking, like literally taking advantage of a genocide to like steal artifacts from other countries. And now I'm just like, oh, you're just, you're just not bright. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly, which is worse, which is that's most billionaires though. Truly. Like, they come across as intelligent and then you think they're malicious and then you realize you're really just dumb. <laughs> like, like you're, you, you like, and I, I can see it. Like we're good business owners. We ought to be able to run a museum, throw some money at it. I mean, that's, and that's the, that's very much like the American response to things, right? Is like, if you're successful in one thing, you could just get to go do whatever the fuck you want and you're going to be successful in that too. Yep. Yeah. Like, this, this has come up a few times the last few weeks, but like people that are for whatever reason elevated out of their area of expertise and given platforms that they should not have. Like, yeah. And, and again, the Green family, they they get paid a lot of money to go on the speaking certificate, like Christian conferences, like they featured pretty heavily at my conservative Christian college. They like probably once a year, one of the Green family would come and speak at our chapel. They were oh like, God. you know, like talked about as like, you know, the, the these are the people that, you know, you need to be these billionaires that run Hobby Ollie. I didn't see. I didn't know who they were until a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, they're more of the like. They're not like Chick-fil-A popular. Right. right. Um, but it's the secret billionaires that you really have to watch, have to watch out, out for. for. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Um, can I just say like Museum of the Bible? Absolutely fucking hate it. You're right. You do have to pay for tickets, which fuck that. Don't give them your money. Like the places, the places in the museum that you can get food are called Milk and Honey Cafe and Mana. Ew. So that sounds gross to me. Like, yeah, mm. Milk and Honey Cafe is kind of cute. Like, it's very Bible-y, but it's kind of cute. But like, Mana just has always sounded disgusting. Yeah, it's it was probably fungus. It was probably quail shit. Fungus growing out of the quail shit. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's like this tastes kind of sweet. It's like, yeah, sweetie, you're hallucinating because you've been in the sun for way too long. Yeah, anything tastes good when you haven't eaten for days. <laughs> right. Yikes. Oh my god. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, like I didn't, I didn't even get to this huge ass list of of uh, Bible museums that are now closed. <laughs> they go back to 1547 in france oh that's pretty far uh-huh yeah well, let's do some Special. favorites some some specials oh my god okay <laughs> uh which ones which ones did, were like just looked like the absolute best so there was a palestine park in jerusalem miniature mm. that was displayed in round lake new york and it was like 1875 to 1880 so it was kind of like adjacent to like burned over district shit that was happening many um, i'm sorry 
I know all of it, all of them are like this. Literally all of them. <laughs> There's a Jerusalem old city at the World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri in uh, 1904. Apparently the World's Fair really got into this because they also had like uh, Solomon's Temple at the Century of Progress World Fair in Chicago, Illinois in 1933. There was a Bible Land Museum in Orlando between 1950 and 1970. Apparently Bob Jones has his own fucking biblical art museum that's now closed ostensibly. Why does he have to put his own name on literally everything? That's like, that was my first thought is like, why does it have your name on? the bob jones biblical art museum yeah what oh my god but uh, yeah apparently that's closed as of 2017 i don't know didn't even make it to the pandemic didn't even make it to the pandemic uh there was holy land usa in bedford virginia that closed in 2009 (laughs) i do love Um, the 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 location names like holy land usa in bedford virginia i knew we were i knew we were going to announce locations at some point what else was on here? Um, there were there are lots of like ongoing reenactments, like passion plays that you could visit sort of any time. It seems like those were all over the country, like literally from New York to like Washington State. <laughs> People were doing those. Uh, there was the Golgotha Fun Park <laughs> in Cave City, Kentucky from uh, 1992 to 2002. Don't know what that means. A little scared to find out. <laughs> oh, if I had a time machine, I I wouldn't go there first. Maybe not even third. Oh God, the fun park. But I would go there. They don't, you know. It truly doesn't get any like that's that's the icing on the cake. There are so many more. There's so many more. Like this list has a bunch of them. Like aren't even in the United States. Like shit that people started in like other countries. um and there's there are currently according to this list and this is what this person this individual actually studies like bible museums like he's a researcher like a like a like an anthropologist who studies like essentially like modern christian modern modern-ish christian artifacts currently there have there are almost two dozen uh bible museums across the world that have been announced that are going to open at some point in the future so that's real special um, including a recreated biblical Jerusalem in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Who'd have oh, thought? Um, I just kind of threw up in my mouth a little there. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we didn't establish a drinking game at the beginning of this, not, but I, and, uh, I hope you're I, thoroughly drunk anyway. My my drink was gone before we started. Mine as well. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Uh, I think I think that we should probably link to this too because it's just wild, and I think people would have a real good time with this massive list of 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 Bible fun time murder parks. The West World of the Bible. <laughs> they would do that. They would do. They that. would. Okay, they would do that. They would. They would fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. Hate it. They would. Fund AI, create sentience in order to dress it up like Peter. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's that's <sighs> bleak. Very bleak. Very bleak <laughs> indeed. Um yeah. So 
So yeah, um, where we are. Nothing to cast other than just to say like nothing to cast. This is such a strange thing. Like if you've I ever do... been to a creation museum, please send us a picture on Discord. Yes, please do. Um, I do think this Atlantic story with the right director could be a very interesting movie. Oh, that would be amazing. Like I'm just imagining a scene where like most con like movies where like the person's like rolling in cash. I could just imagine this dude like rolling in ancient papyri. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, all right, dude. All right. Yeah. Too right. much money. Don't know what to do with it. Yep. Dollars yep. and dollar bills and papyri. <laughs> so, so good. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, just uh, listening to this deep dive. If you want to check out more on Discord, patreon.com slash go home Bible. You can also see what Tori and I are up to online, typically on Twitter. I'm at Justin D. Gentry. Tori is at Tori Glass. If you um, don't want to follow us on Twitter and you don't want to join our Patreon, that's perfectly fine. We would ask that you share this podcast with somebody or give us a five-star review on any platform, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we're on all the things. So give us a five-star review on that. Share us with a friend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Right. Bye. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.